0: I'm now going to introduce a few more of the characters that have come into my life. I'm going to start with introducing Sharon's family. I've already introduced to you the twin girls, Pam and Penny. I've now introduced Sharon, my present wife, their brother, Luis was a great guy. I hung with him for a while. He was a jockey. Also, there was two older sisters. One was named Eusebia, and the other, Marquita. And there were three other brothers. A younger brother, he was a year older than Sharon. His name was Manuel. And then Luis, and then his older brothers, a one year older brother named Jose who was a prize fighter. I never saw him fight, but everybody told me he was a pretty good fighter. Now, Lewis and Jose were raised in South Philly, and they knew many of the mobsters in South Philly, which is always good to know. Then there was yet two older brothers, one named Lino, who lived down in Maryland. He was also a jockey, a very good jockey, And another older brother lived in Philadelphia. His name was Ricardo. I haven't met him as of yet. But so far, that's ten children that I know of. The mother used to tell me she had 17 children. All the ten children that I'd met, well, nine of the ten that I had met so far, say no just the ten of us. We're the only ones... We know about. But the mother insisted she had 17 children, seven more. Who the hell knows? The mother was a character herself. I could have wrote a book just on the mother. Anyway, these these 10 children that she had, it seemed like there were three different fathers to these children, all Filipino men, and the kids used to talk amongst themselves. And try to remember who their father was. Other characters around Philadelphia that I'm going to bring into my story now is the bartender from Bill's Bar, the number one bum's bar in the neighborhood. His name was Jack. He was a very nice guy. I used to drink in there occasionally. Seems Jack was from Brooklyn, New York, and we had a lot in common. And a lot of things to talk about. Also, Georgie Cheedy, the neighborhood tough guy that i talked about, he was bringing around a friend of his. Well, I wouldn't even say he was a friend, it's just somebody he knew. A fat kid from South Philly, a Polish kid named Big Walt. Big Walt was a fat slob. He would eat, eat Chinese food right out of the box with his fingers. And, but he was all right. He would go to the racetrack with most of these gamblers that I was now hanging with in Philly. And he was a nice kid. Little stupid, but nice. He wanted to learn tattooing, which I was not interested in teaching to him. I already had Fat Billy with me. And the two younger tattooers, Jojo and Tommy, who were great tattooers. And I'm going to talk a little bit about them right now. Although there weren't many tattoos in the world, Everyone had their own style. And Sailor as much of a prick as he was, he had a great style. He would do big open designs with heavy masses of color. Really stood out. You could tell what the tattoo was from across the room. Now, Tommy DiNapoli, he used to copy Sailor style, and he was very good at it, which I'll get to a big story about that a little down the road. But for now, I'm just going to say he was very good, like that style. Now, JoJo, he was being heavily tattooed by Dee Dee, who had a different style. Again, a very good tattooer, but a complete different style. And JoJo seemed to fancy that style a little bit. And then there was my style. I was taught more or less by Brooklyn Blackie before there was a lot of color around. And Blackie said, you gotta make the tattoo look good just with black. So there was a lot of heavy black shading in my tattooing. Blackie would say the color just adds, adds and hensifies the tattoo. But the color will fade in time. And if you have a good-looking black tattoo, that'll last there forever. Another character from the neighborhood that I'm gonna bring into the story now was a little cripple fella named Stanley. Stanley lived in Skid Row, and he was always hustling, nice guy, trying to make a buck. He would park cars in the the many parking lots that were around. He would wash dishes. He got a job in the mall tavern right down the street, and he was washing dishes in there. I'm going to tell a cute little story about Stanley right now. One day, we're getting ready to go to the Harness Racetrack in Delaware, and the guys are getting ready, and I said, let me go down the street and see if Stanley wants to go with us. Now, Stanley was a great knock-rummy player, and in my shop every day, there was either a poker game or a knock-rummy game, and people were always hanging in the shop. It was a busy place. So I go down and I say, Stanley, we're going to the racetrack in about an hour. Do you want to come? Stanley says, yeah, he would love to. He said, let, let me get my paycheck from May, the owner of the mall Tavern. He said, and I'll be ready in an hour. I said, okay. And I'm getting ready to leave. And I hear Stanley say to May, could he have his paycheck tonight instead of tomorrow? as he wanted to go to the racetrack with the guys. May said, yes, you can have it tonight, she says, but I'm deducting, I'm deducting a dollar for every dish you broke this week. And Stanley just looked at her, scratched his head, and walked away in his little shuffle, a crippled fella, put his apron on, and he walked into the kitchen. And now what you heard come from the kitchen was glass smashed sounded like dishes breaking. Stanley now stumbles out of the kitchen, he's got his apron in his hand, and he throws it down on the floor and he says, We're even, May. You don't owe me a paycheck this week. Another character in and out of my life was a tattooer named Sailor Barney from New York. Sailor Barney was a carnival tattooer. And every spring... He'd come through Philadelphia, heading south to join up with the carnival to work the spring-summer season. Every year, Barney would come through, always with a story of what he's got in mind and how much money he's going to make, but he's always a little short and needs to borrow a few dollars to get to his next stop. Every late fall, early, summer, early winter, Sailor Barney would come back through Philadelphia, heading back to New York, with the story of how much money he did make, all that happened to him, and the great lights he bought, and he was getting ready for next year. The only thing is, he was a little short and needed to borrow some money to get back to New York. This went on every year. All in all, my life is going pretty good. <clears throat> Business is good. I'm very happy. The only thing wrong with my life is this marriage I'm in. It's very shaky, a little bit lunacy. One day, the mailman brings the mail, and in it is the birth certificate for my son, who is supposed to be named Eddie Joseph. I opened the, the birth certificate, and there it is. Patrick Joseph is the name. So I, I confront Sharon. I say, what happened here? She said, they must have made a mistake. So I go to the to the Hall of Records and I tell them there's been a mistake and the name here is supposed to be Edward Joseph. They, they check their files and everything and they said, well, the name on the birth certificate is Patrick Joseph. You can... Eliminate the word Patrick if you want and move Joseph to the front, but you can't add Edward in there. If you want to add Edward, it will have to be his second name. You can either make it Patrick Edward or Joseph Edward. So I said, well, let's make it Joseph Edward. When I get home, I tell Sharon what I have done, and I want to know why. She named the boy Patrick. She said she didn't know. They must have made a mistake. I would later find out, but that's another story down the road. I now get a letter in the mail from the court system in Philadelphia that they want me there at a hearing for the kids, Sharon's kids, sometime in the near future. I say to Sharon, what the hell is this about? She says, oh, she says... It probably had something to do with Bill getting out of prison soon and him wanting custody of the kids. I accept that answer, and I make plans that we're going to go to court, and we're going to fight for the kids. We're going to make a stand of it. Now, this is just the beginning of a big story to come. So we go to the city hearing which was held in the private chambers, a big room with a long rectangular table. Must have sat 20 people around it. All seats were full. There was a woman judge presiding on this hearing. I believe her name was Brown. Mrs. Brown, I'm not sure, but I think so. Anyway, the hearing is going, and, and they... Asking questions like, How do you feel about the children to to both Sharon and myself? And I thought everything was going pretty good. And then the judge says, I want to talk to you, Sharon, in, in my private chambers, and she takes Sharon out of the room. They're gone for a little while. Then they come back in and the judge says to me, Now, Mr Punk, I'd like to talk to you in my private chambers. So she takes me into our private chambers, and she said, how would I feel if I just told you that your wife said you don't love these children, and how do you really feel about these children? I said, well, I don't know why my wife would say that. (coughs) And I said, everything is fine. Of course I love the children. That's why we're here. (coughs) So after a few hours of conversation between me and the judge, and I'm feeling very confused with what she's telling me, we go back into the main room. (coughs) So the judge says she thinks it would be best for the children's welfare if the court system would take the children, Sharon's little girl, and the little boy named Billy into the court system for their own welfare. That we would receive a letter in the mail of when to have the children ready and their belongings ready that the court would be taking them in a few weeks' time. Now we go home, and I'm bewildered. I said, Sharon, this judge just told me that you said I don't love these children, and you were the one that turned them into the court system and wanted them taken away. What the hell is going on with you? She cries and says, it's all lies. Right. The judge is trying to drive a wedge between us and get each other mad at each other. She says, it all has to do with Bill, Bill getting out of prison and wanting the kids. I says, well, you want to take off? My mother had now gone back to California. I said, Do you want to take off and go back to California? I, I think I can find a job there or open a shop there or something, and we can start a new life in California. So I now go see one of my many friends that I've made in Philadelphia, a guy that had a used car lot. And I tell him I need a pretty decent used car. I want to go to California. I can't have a car that's going to break down on me. So I get a pretty decent used car. Me and Sharon pack everything up. And I leave Fat Billy in charge. Everybody's working. I said, I'll stay in touch. We now get a letter from the city that as of the next Monday, a couple of days away, they'll be sending somebody by to pick up the kids and their belongings.